Hi everyone and welcome to Meet the Masters, a product marketing podcast dedicated to the core strategies of product marketing. My name is Charlie Gale and I'm a copywriter here at Product Marketing Alliance. PMA is the single largest product marketing community in the world, providing a global platform for new and seasoned PMM professionals to network, learn and thrive in their careers. In this episode, I spoke to Elliot Rayner, Chief Marketing Officer at Arian, to discuss all things storytelling. Elliot is a firm believer that the best products have authenticity at their core. There are a few things that can't be improved and innovated within product marketing via a clearer understanding of your brand purpose. Brand purpose is something that we touch on in today's episode, along with what makes a compelling story, how to build a suitable storytelling strategy for your organisation and product, and what you can learn from the Storytelling Certified Masters course we have at PMA a course that Elliot himself built from his experience and expertise in the field. Hey Elliot, how are you? I'm great, Charlie. Yeah, thanks for having me. How how has your day started? Yeah, it's brilliant. I'm like really excited to have you on. Um, It's like great to have you here. So um, I'd like to talk a bit about you know your passion for storytelling in this episode and mm-hmm. you know you're the instructor of our storytelling course um so I think to start off I'd like to you know learn a bit more about how you found the process for building the course and why you perhaps like think storytelling is such an essential topic for product marketers to learn yeah sure um well I started off in, in product creation mainly in the sports industry and in the sports industry uh, everything is really about stories. You know, you're creating um, things like football jerseys and uh, footballs for the World Cup. And what you start to realize is that you're not just building products, but you're building stories. And the better the story, the better the product, the better the campaign. And so through my career, I'd always uh, been lucky to learn from some really great mentors of how to build the storytelling process. And it was just all of that notes and experience that I was able to bring into the course and try and structure it in a way that anyone who might not think they're a natural storyteller, which is a big thing, people think it's an artistic thing, it's a creative thing, and it is in a sense, but it's also a science. And just like anything that's a science, it can be broken down and put into small bits and learned. And that's really what the the, the course is all about is is giving uh, people who want to learn storytelling and want to the next day take a framework and take into their normal life, uh, into their product teams, uh, and give them all the ammunition and the frameworks they need to do that. Awesome. So I know, obviously, um, there's so much that goes into a storytelling strategy, but I'd like to know what you consider to be the key pillar for any, you know, any storytelling strategy that you'd make. Yeah, I, I think a really simple way, like, as product marketers, we're always trying to make complicated things simple. And I think it's the same with storytelling. And whenever I have to um, persuade someone how easy storytelling can be, I always go back to Aristotle's modes of persuasion. Because basically that's what storytelling is. Storytelling is persuading someone of something. That's basically what marketing is. And Aristotle set out in three different ways that the most important parts of persuasion are credibility, um, logic, and emotion. And if you can focus on those three things and make sure your story has those three things, 
more often than not, you're going to have a great story. So the way I built the course is built on those three things. So logic is all about how we structure the course. So maybe you structure it with the logic. Um, secondly, is about emotion. How do you deliver uh, with emotion? And then finally, it's how do you craft in purpose? So how do you build in that credibility? So if you can stick to those three pillars and um, follow those three rules, more often than not, you're going to be able to create great stories again and again. Well, the way you put it, it sounds very like easy in theory, but perhaps a bit more complex in practice. You mentioned previously um, when we spoke before about how um, storytelling has become uh, quite important in product marketing, but it's also become a bit of a buzzword. Um, can you clarify to the listener what you mean by this and um, what you think can be done to make sure that the term carries a little bit more weight? Yeah, I mean, probably the same as you and probably for the people who are listening, you hear storytelling a lot now, a lot more than you would uh, from a marketing um, standpoint. But I think it makes perfect sense, especially from a product marketing perspective is where product marketing is really still um, defining itself. Uh, this is really well highlighted by the PMA's book, Misunderstood, which the whole point of the book is product marketing is consistently understood, misunderstood. And uh, my presentation that I gave at the Amsterdam uh, Product Marketing Summit was that actually I think that what product marketing is, is, is the story engine of the organization. That's what product marketing brings to the table. And, and I think that's where it's moving away from just being a skill that you learn or an, an additional thing that a marketer can have. And actually, I really think it's at the core of, of what marketing is and specifically what product marketing is. When we asked everyone at the uh, Amsterdam summit, what do you think is a better definition for product marketing? A lot of them said actually value marketing, because what we're doing is creating value and communicating value. And I actually think the, the best way to communicate and embed value is with storytelling. Um, so I actually think it's going to become more and more uh, prevalent within product marketing. And that's really evident in um, some of the job descriptions. I've seen a lot of product marketing jobs now that are saying we want a natural storyteller or we want a chief storytelling officer. Or um, st it's starting to become much more common um, that people want you to demonstrate experience in storytelling because it's becoming a lot more of a valuable thing. So moving away from a skill and almost to a role. And I actually think that role is, is basically product marketing. Yeah, I love that. So I know like storytelling is so valuable, like as humans, just because mm -hmm. it's been around for so long. Like it's one of the like only forms of communication we we knew. Course, yeah. Like, yeah, when we first, you know, became humans. <laughs> um, but also it's like really important um and valuable as a consumer. Um, and we're all consumers. Um, when I think about storytelling and marketing and thinking about like the most successful like examples the one that sticks out to me is um you know the john lewis adverts in the uk mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so for the you know the non-uk listener um john lewis is a department store for and at every christmas they come out with an advert where it's so popular everyone always waits for it um, and it's always encompasses what you think Christmas is like it's always emotional um, it has family there's always like just a warmth to the advert um, and I think that it's definitely become a staple within British media which is why I think you know it's so successful in like how it's like come about um, 
So I'd like to know a bit more about what your favourite example of storytelling is and within advertising and why you think it's so successful. Yeah, just a, a, the John Lewis example comes up a lot. Um, and I think it, you, you summed it up by saying you, you always remember it. And there's a reason for that. Um, it's for stories. We're 20, uh, we're 20 times more likely to remember information when it's delivered as a story rather than in data. And that's, that really highlights the power of storytelling. Uh, you know, it hits all seven parts of the brain in comparison to two parts of the brain, which facts and figures usually do. And that's what brands like John Lewis are tapping into. And with the John Lewis example, most of the time there's very little, if nothing to do with the product or the brand or the store. It's basically like a mini movie. And it follows um, very often the typical hero's journey that you would find in most movies that are, that are so successful. So I think uh, they're a great example of someone who really leans into storytelling. When it comes to my favorite examples, I, I really love feature storytelling. So as a product marketer, we're constantly trying to launch new features and you say, explain why something quite complicated uh, can be quite simple and of why this feature makes you better than competitors. Uh, and I think that's, a, it's a, that's an art form. It's very uh, tricky, but a, a great example I always come back to is Samsung. Uh, Samsung had a, a very tough job trying to topple Apple when it came to phones for a very long time. And they had this great campaign called the Wall Huggers, uh, and which was something that we can all relate to, which is where most great stories come from is that how many times we've been in an airport, been in a train station, been in the Starbucks and we're at 1% and we've got no choice just to plug into a wall and then we're attached to the wall, we're like the wall huggers and someone with a Samsung phone, at that time they were pushing a model which had the feature where you could take the battery out and put another one in, just like you could do with Nokia's 10 years ago. And obviously highlighting how that feature makes them so much better than Apple and it was so easy to relate to, you know, they, they could easily do a feature campaign which shows you um, how much the battery costs or how much longer it lasts or how much time, it, but to do it in a human level to connect to that place we've always been where we're hugging a wall in a train station. It's uh, very emotional and it's very good. Another great example is what I've highlighted there is positive features, but there's some great examples of even stories are still so strong that you can use them to even shine a light on your negative features. One example I come back to who are massive storytellers uh, when it comes to campaigns is Guinness. Most people can remember or recall one great, huge, big Guinness campaign. But actually one of their product features, which is a, 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 a negative, is that it takes a long time to pour a pint of Guinness. If you ever worked in a bar or you ordered a pint of Guinness, it takes a lot longer. And they built a whole campaign and story around good things come to those who wait so instead of hiding away from or trying to improve the, the, that, they build a story around, actually, this is a good thing. And for me, that really highlights how if you have the story right, you can make any feature uh, really an incredible focal point for your product or for your brand. Yeah, I really like um, the Guinness example because, you know, you have to think about um, what makes your brand unique as well. Mm -hmm. I think when you were saying that, one of the ones like the adverts that pops up to me is, you know, the old Spice adverts. Mm -hmm. like, the Look at your man, now look back at me. Yeah. And that always is like really memorable um, for the audience just because of how funny it is, but also that it's just so random. Um well, what that comes into is what we'd call is just a, a unique TOV, so a, a tone of voice. 
and it's a very difficult thing to do. And actually, that's the second section of the uh, the storytelling certification, which is this delivering with emotion. And you can't just do that. You can't just uh, randomly create it. Why those brands do so well? Old Spice is one of them. I always uh, highlight the brand Oatly, who do the oat milk, who have a very unique tone of voice uh, as well. Um, they have a, a very, very acute understanding of one, their audience, and two, themselves. And those are the two most important things to delivering emotion is uh, as product marketers, we should always know who our audience is. That's our job. That's our rule number one is do we understand who they are? The one thing I push very hard in my course is that I don't think a lot of product marketers spend a lot of time understanding who they are. Um, and one great way to do that is with the brand archetypes framework, which basically explains that there is only about 12 different ways we can appear to an audience. They, they categorize us, you know, we see Harley Davidson as, as uh, the explorer, or we see, um, you know, all of these brands can be categorized into an archetype. And the better you understand of where you are on that archetype wheel, and most importantly, where your competitors are, you can find some space to be very unique. Now, your example of Allspice, if you think of other brands selling similar products, they would be on very distinct part of the, of the wheel. And what Allspice would occupy is this, uh, this area called the jester, which is being very jokey, very open. And by just maneuvering themselves into that part of the wheel, when you see it, it catches you off guard and you're able to build uh, a lot of attention to your story and, and, and build a great story from that. But it, it has to come from a lot of hard work before that to do research uh, into it. And that's that's why something like the Brand Archetypes Wheel can, can really help a product marketer build something like that. Brilliant. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to try and um, separate yourself from your competitors. Mm -hmm. um, that's actually, yeah. So you mentioned Samsung, um, Samsung and Apple. Um, but one of like my, I guess, the next thing that I was going to talk about is like the ongoing like competition be between Coke and Pepsi and how like brand competition can sometimes drive the narrative of product storytelling. Um, I, I wanted to know a bit more about like what you thought of the approach. Like, do you find it better to go with the flow and acknowledge the competition because, you know, it's already become such public knowledge, like they're such core um, competitors and like they're, they're always the top two that you think of, or do you prefer to like deviate from the approach and focus on a fresher campaign? Yeah, I think it always, that really pushes into this, this third area of Aristotle's wheel, which is credibility, which so we talked about how every great story should have logic, it should have emotion and credibility. Logic should be easy, you know, um, it's a great phone, It like the battery is this long, this is the price, we, it's very simple. Emotion we talked about, getting it you're right on the wheel, understanding your audience. Credibility is, is the hardest one. And this is the brands that the most successful, especially over time, someone like Coca-Cola, uh, is because their credibility has been consistent over a long time. And uh, to answer your question, I think the most important thing is it's always great and very important to have a good understanding of the competitive landscape, um, understanding how you're different. But the most important is that if you have a better understanding of who you are, what makes you different and what makes you unique, that's where you're able to build authenticity. And authenticity, when you think of a great story or a great brand, uh, usually that's what you're connecting with is that you believe them. You know, that that's a very hard thing for brands to achieve. It's like the holy grail. 
And that's really what the third part of the course is all about, is how can you instill and embed credibility and authenticity into that story? Um, I start that section of the course with a video, which was very popular during uh, the lockdowns, which was most of the major brands in the world all released a huge campaign during the lockdowns uh, during COVID-19. So it's an opportunity to, to connect with the audience. And what that video does is show that all of those campaigns were almost identical from the music, from the wording, from the actors, everything was so similar. And because of that, none of them really resonated. You had brands like Tesla saying, we're thinking of you, we care about you during this tough time. But why would we, why would that be credible for someone like Tesla, whose point on the brand archetype wheel is innovation? You know, if it was UNICEF or the Red Cross or the NHS, that's credible to us because we understand it. Um, and so that's why it's not enough just to craft a great logical story or to deliver something very emotional. If it doesn't come from um, a credible space, it's not going to resonate. And we know this because you've said before, um, we're humans and we talk to each other in stories. And it's, it doesn't matter about brands. Think about one of your friends or maybe a stranger opening up to you with a very logical story. But if you don't trust them and you don't believe what they're saying, you, you the story isn't believed or it doesn't resonate. So um, everything else falls down if you do not have the foundations of credibility. And that's why I think it's the most important thing. And in the course, we explore some ways that uh, product marketers can use frameworks to help find your yourself uh, to better understand what makes you unique so that you can carve out that credibility and make sure that it's a part of every single campaign, every feature and every product that you build a story around. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you for that. That was really interesting. Um, so obviously you have so much experience with storytelling, like as a CMO, you've um, like done it like so many times, but I'd like to know what um, you would say has been your biggest storytelling su success so far. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, working in the sports industry was was a really uh, amazing experience because so many times you create products and then they just disappear and you don't you can't really connect of how they did. You know, it just uh, you spend so much time working on it and then how do you really define the success of it? But with something like a sports kit that's worn on the world stage in a World Cup final to be able to see the crowd, to be able to see people wearing the thing you've created, to get to see the players wearing it on field. Uh, that is an amazing feeling of you, you, people are celebrating and they're building the story. Actually, the story didn't exist until that game happened and now it's, it, it adds the emotion to it. But actually, right now, the, the, the position I have is in uh, B2B and it's in data and it's in research. And that is why I find where storytelling is, is really important. As, as I said before, I think one of the superpowers of storytelling is making something very complicated, very simple. And so actually, I, one of the things that I'm working on now, I find uh, where storytelling can be even more important to people who we always think of B2C examples. Even in this, this podcast, we're talking about Coke and we talk about Apple. And, but I actually think B2B is where storytelling has much more value because what we're doing is trying to commu communicate something that's either very specialist, very complicated, and in many instances, very boring as well. And storytelling can be the cure to all of those things. Uh, and if you look at the great B2B brands, 
they're the ones that really are able to speak great stories and stand out from their competitors because the B2B market is so much more competitive. And as we've talked about, um, being too similar to so many different voices in the market just drowns you out. And so it's important to have that unique tone of voice and to have uh, that credibility uh, to be able to um, diversify your message and be stand out among the crowd. That's actually really interesting that you talk about like B2B and B2C because um, this is actually one of the first questions on our community mm. Q&A. Um, so this is a segment that I like to do on this podcast where like I'll reach out to the community to see if they have any questions for you. And one of the first questions, so we might as well just jump straight into it, was how would those marketing to both B2C and B2B audiences plan their storytelling strategies differently? Actually, the, uh, it's always the first question I get. And, and, and actually, um, I always go back to when I open the course, we start really with the, the, the science of storytelling. Before we get into marketing, into product, it's really looking at storytelling as a science. And I always go back to one of my favorite quotes, which is by uh, Yuval Noah Harari, the writer of Sapiens, which is a master of understanding humans as an individual, but also as a, as a collective. And he says that human beings think in stories. We make sense of the world around us through stories. And when you think of it like that, B2B and B2C shouldn't matter too much because it's still a human being who's making a decision. The only difference is, is we have so much more information about a B2B person we're trying to communicate to than a B2C. On B2C, we're communicating to a huge wide audience and hoping to reel in a few. With in so many times with B2B, we know their name, we know their occupation, we know their age, we know their pain points, we know their previous customers. And so actually B2B have a lot more ammunition to build a very personalized story towards. So I think a lot of the same rules apply, but actually, once again, there's so much more advantages to a B2B storyteller because we can really um, create a specialized, personalized story to that audience. And once again, the effectiveness that, of that all comes back to the most fundamental thing of a product marketer, which is having a better understand, an understanding of how your audience thinks, feels, acts, and, and behaves. And so... Um, that, that's really um, the, the, the main difference between them. But in the course, there's also some things we cover when it comes to structure. So the first part of the course is all about um, structuring with logic. And there's some examples of um, structures that work better for B2C, which is kind of like the hero's journey. You um, talked about John Lewis. John Lewis is all about the hero's journey. It'll be a protagonist who we identify with. Um, has a problem, maybe loses their toy, um, gets back the toy in the end, and everything comes back together. For, for B to B, you might not have that opportunity to take them on this, this wild hero's journey, but you can um, do something in three acts. So you can um, show uh, what life is uh, uh, without your product and then with your product. So going from order, chaos, order. And so there's other frameworks that are much more suited to B2B. And that's that's really how we segmented in the course as well. Yeah, I find it really interesting actually when you say about how like um, B2B is easier. But I think that some sometimes people worry about the fact that when you're trying to like market to a brand mm -hmm. you can't really um like connect to the human behind like mm -hmm. the brand whereas um like with b2c i guess like you can connect more with their emotion side of it um yeah but i would actually say b2b is harder but the the opportunity is higher that if you get it right um 
you're always going to be better with a story once you have a better understanding of, uh, of the audience and you have a much better under, uh, opportunity to understand that audience when it's a smaller uh, niche audience rather than a large B2C audience. But I, uh, I think it is, you're absolutely right. Um, it, it really depends on how close you can get to that audience. Uh, and that's always a difficulty when it comes to B2B. Awesome. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, okay. So we'll get on to like the other questions. There was one that I found like really interesting that I think I'd like to le um, learn about as well is um, I guess, what are some of the pitfalls to be aware of when migrating to shorter stories? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's so easy to like, um, you know, like you said, the hero's journey is like a longer uh, story that you're able to tell, but like, you know, with the sto uh, the shorter ones, like how do you like overcome the challenges with that? Yeah, it's interesting when I, whenever uh, I start the course, we, we always start with the hero's journey, which is around 12 steps. And I think a lot of people get worried about how the hell I'm trying to do an Instagram story of 12 seconds or 10 seconds. How can I do that? And that's the misleading thing is that all of these frameworks are just, are just a guide. Uh, you don't have to follow each step perfectly. You can even skip some, you can, you can move around. But what they are is a template to help you get a better understanding of what works. And actually, um, the, the way I do the course is that we start with 12 and we get lower and lower and lower and lower until basically what the fundamental part of storytelling is, is contrast. So I talked about the hero's journey, which is uh, following a character of 12 steps going on this journey, circular all the way around. Um, the, the next one of that is the action wheel, which is uh, developed by Dan Harmon, which shows eight steps of all of the eight actions that usually um, show a character arc. Um, but more than that, I talked about order, chaos, order. So all of those things is I'm in an ordinary world, I have a challenge and then I return to it. So most stories can go from that. But even that, if you boil it down to it, it's all just about contrast. The great stories highlight this huge amount of contrast. So in the course, we give all of these frameworks together. So depending on how big a campaign you're wanting to do, you're able to, to, to go um, find the right one for you. But to answer your question, the best way to do that is not to overwhelm uh, product marketers, the best product marketers, make things simple. And as long as you um, do the simple rules of creating contrast, uh, defining a protagonist and uh, delivering with emotion and from a, from a space of credibility, those are the key beats you have to, to, to hear. And it doesn't matter the format, doesn't matter the length, as long as you do those things, it will work. Another good example is take it away from campaigns and features and just think of it as a conversation. So the next time you have a conversation with your boss and you have to deliver some information, you can do the same thing. You can deliver information just as facts and figures, or you can deliver it as a story. This is what human beings do every day. 60% um, of our conversations as humans are built around some kind of narrative. So more often than not, when you're having a conversation, whether it's at work, whether it's with your mom, whether it's your friends, you are using some kind of narrative because it comes naturally to us. So you can already start experimenting um, in in these smaller kind of areas uh before you start launching it into features and campaigns and products yeah I was just thinking then about how you know we always now with advertising try and get our storytelling through video um but obviously it doesn't have to be that there are other formats um one of the questions that we actually have is what digital formats beside video can deliver short stories effectively yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I, I really recently did a, a workshop with a brand around email marketing. 
which is a really good way and a great example of how product marketers can can you because it, it, it is natural you think oh storytelling okay so i'm gonna have a camera lights action actors but that's not what storytelling is storytelling can be the most basic and simple things and uh, it can be can be a single uh, sentence but email marketing is a great example that the best ones in, already incorporate stories if you think about it now i get emails all the day from brands and no longer are they saying an email from Miro, an email from the PMA. It says uh, Alexa from the PMA or Simon from Miro. Automatically, you're a person is communicating to me, and you know, so already you're building that personal conversation, and it's almost common in every single email marketing that you get now. It's very rarely from a brand; it's from a human being. And if you look into the content, it's very casual and very. Um, covered in, in, in storytelling the one of the exercises i did with uh, that brand was to go through one of their generic emails and as i said in the beginning every great story contains logic emotion and credibility and we used colors to go through and find out on each of those email which every time we saw something with logic every time we saw something with emotion every time we saw something with credibility and by doing that we could see where the imbalance was so if one of the email marketing was full of information, hey, this is your account, this is your information, this is the opportunity, uh, but had no emotion, it would fail or, or vice versa. And so by doing that exercise of just building your communications and having a good understanding that does it contain logic, emotion, credibility, that's a really good way of making sure you've got the ingredients of storytelling in something as simple as an email. Yeah, I think that's really important as well, like um, making sure that, you know, because everything is becoming so digital, digital, digitalized, mm. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> um, that you have to kind of remember, you know, you're still trying to be a human connecting to a human. Mm. I think it always goes back to that is like the emotion side of it. But also, obviously, like you say, like when you're a brand you have to make sure that you're including like how credible you are and how much mm -hmm. like your um target audience need to trust you mm -hmm. um okay so let's go on to the next question um how would you go about planning stories for different personas yeah um this is a this is a really important one so i to help people in crafting stories i uh, created something called the story canvas, which basically incorporates everything I teach in the course, uh, just like any other canvas, and you can build it slowly. So on the, the left side of the guardrail, you would put all your information that defines who you are. So we talked about authenticity, what's our mission, what's our vision, what makes us unique. On the right side of the guardrail, you put all of your emotional things. So what's our tone of voice? Uh, what, what's our um, brand archetype? And what that, then in the middle, I always encourage them to create a few different protagonists. So, um, and what that does is, you know, those two things should always stay the same. Your, your, your authenticity should stay the same, but then you can experiment with several different personas. The interesting part of that, when it comes to a story, you don't always have to tell the story through the eyes of your customer. It is the most, you see it everywhere. You see so many brands saying, you're telling the story of your uh, product through someone using that product. And once again, order chaos or whatever, this guy had a headache, then he took our pill, now he doesn't have a headache. 
that's the story, that's order, chaos, order. The protagonist is your customer. But the protagonist could also be the pill itself. The protagonist could be the brand. The protagonist could be the dog on the street. The protagonist could be anything. It could be an inanimate object. So what I always encourage for is, yes, do your customer first. Do all of your, your personas, but also uh, explore some more creative ways as well. But um, most uh, brands now, most product marketers should have uh, battle cards, you know, really simple cards which say, what is the age? What are their pain points? All of those things of understanding their, their audience. Those are the perfect building blocks with crafting a story. So you should have those ready uh, because ultimately you're going to be using that to judge whether this story works or not. Because does this resonate with that specific user? And you can basically um, find a way, does this story connect to all of these user personas? Or do we need to craft individual stories that resonate to each of them individually? Awesome. Thank you for that. So I think we have um, time for just one more question. Um, and then unfortunately, we'll have to wrap this up. Um, mm. But let's go on to this last one. Um, what should people take into account when messaging to audiences from different geographic locations? For example, um, customers in the US versus, you know, the UK are going to have different um, like reactions to things. I love this question because it's going to hit home to something that I love most about storytelling was that actually storytelling is truly universal. Um, the, 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 the most famous book created about storytelling is The Hero with a Thousand Faces, which is about Joseph Campbell. It's impossible to learn about storytelling without that being the first part of it. And my course is, is no different because it, it's, but what his research is he basically studied so all of the greatest myths, all of the greatest stories, all of the greatest uh, songs, poems from every culture and every age. Um, and that's how he built the, the hero's journey, is recognizing that it doesn't matter what country, what culture, what language, what age, there is still that same pattern. So it's really interesting that actually there are very few things in life that, that are truly universal, but it seems that storytelling is um, if you were to build a story now and take it a thousand years in time to a different part of the planet, there's a very good chance that, that they would still resonate uh, with that. So I actually think storytelling is one of those ways that can be truly universal. But to, to the question, um, you still, when it comes to the, the messaging, that's when you need to adapt it. So the story can stay, stay the same. The, the, the beats um, the, uh, and how you progress it the fundamentals of storytelling stay the same because they are universal, but you may need to replace the protagonist, replace the messaging and all of those normal cultural differences uh, that you get that every marketer is used to, to, to make sure that those changes. But that's the great thing about storytelling is that it, it really shouldn't have to change that much because it's not like um, uh, different countries uh, um, resonate differently psychologically our brains release chemicals when we listen to stories. And that doesn't matter what part of the world you come from. It's uh, scientifically proven that, that our brains love stories. Uh, and because of that, that makes them um, really, it, it makes them truly universal. You know what, I think um, that's like the perfect, you know, note to end it on, like, you know, we're all connected, um, we're all like humans and we can all just like appreciate a good story. <laughs> But thank you so much, Elia, um, for chatting with me. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Um, I think to end this, would you just let the listener know where they can find you um, and anything else that you'd like to let them know? 
Yeah, so I encourage everyone, if you've enjoyed the podcast or your any kind of an interest in storytelling, to come and check out the course, uh, Storytelling, Storytelling Certified with the PMA. The one thing I'd always encourage is that um, not to be intimidated by storytelling. Um, it's a science. Uh, it's like anything. It's like market research or user personas. It's something that can be learned. Uh, there are frameworks and it's something you can get, get, get better at. And I actually think there are a few things in life where you don't benefit from being a better storyteller, not just in product marketing, but in your, your life uh, as well. Uh, and with that in mind, you can find me on LinkedIn if you have any questions or I'm always hunting for great examples. So one of the things I'm doing now is building something called the Story Museum, where I'm taking every time I see a great marketing story, I keep it and, and get it and give it to people on the course because they're always asking, have you got any great examples of stories and, and keeping it there. So I encourage anyone who has worked on a great story, seen a great story uh, in the product marketing field to share it with me and I'd love to incorporate it into the course. Perfect. Thank you so much. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you'd like to learn more about the Storytelling Masters course, check it out on our website at www.productmarketingalliance.com or check out the show notes for more information. Thanks for listening and see you next time.